medicine of East Asia is based on a science that does not hold itself separate from the phenomena that it seeks to understand. Our medicine did not grow out of petri dish experimentation or double-blind studies. It arose from observing nature and our part in it. East Asian medicine evolves not from the examination of dead structures, but rather from living systems with their complex, mutually entangled interactions. Welcome to Geological. I'm Michael Max, the host of this podcast that goes in-depth on issues pertinent to practitioners and students of East Asian medicine. Dialogue and discussion have always been elemental to Chinese and other East Asian medicines. Listen in to these conversations with experienced practitioners that go deep into how this ancient medicine is alive and unfolding in the modern clinic. These conversations come to you through the generous support of our sponsors and members. All the sponsors here provide helpful products or services that you'll find beneficial in your clinical work. Worried that an EMR is too complex for you? Jane has friendly and knowledgeable support. Mayway Herbs is celebrating the 55th year of their family business. You're invited to make use of their vast library of resources. Are you concerned about the health of Mother Earth? AccuFast Needles is doing something about that. You can too. And later in the show, Ancestral Sturman offers up a sinew treatment, and the folks at Blue Poppy have something special to share as well. Do be sure to visit the sponsors page on the Geological website to take advantage of all the special offers our terrific sponsors have for listeners of the podcast. I don't know about you, but sometimes I take a step back and marvel at my acupuncture needles. I mean, they're the world's simplest medical tool, a sharpened wire and a handle. That's it. And with this simple tool, hundreds of health conditions can be resolved. I love it. What I didn't love was the amount of packaging waste I generated at the end of the day. But that has now changed too. Ever since I switched to AccuFast Earth-Friendly Needles, I reduced my packaging waste by 90%. Not only are they a great needle, but the folks at AccuFast plant a tree for every two boxes of needles I use in the clinic. By switching to AccuFast Needles, you'll be helping patients, planting trees, and joining a community of practitioners changing the world. Like our simple needle, being a part of this solution, it's simple too. Visit AccuFastNeedles.com slash Geological to learn how. Hi folks, I'm Yvonne Lau, president of Mayway Herbs. Our family business turns 55 this year and we wouldn't have gotten this far without the love and support of our community. We're truly grateful and promise you that we'll continue to work hard to support you and your practice. Please visit Mayway.com to find the perfect Ponsar brand formula or formulate your own in our dispensary. Our site also has lots of articles, videos, and herbal recipes for you to explore. And tune into our podcast, Chinese Medicine Matters, for insightful discussions on all things TCM. Learn about treatment strategies and powerful herbal remedies. As we welcome the month of May, our focus is on women's health. Our newsletter articles and podcast episodes this month will highlight different aspects and unique challenges women face. So subscribe or tune in. And if you're a practitioner, get a discount on our women's health formulas this month. Just visit Mayway.com. This season and every season, trust Mayway Herbs for your health and wellness needs. And thank you for supporting Real Chinese Medicine.
I love how technology can help to automate my office, and I want to share with you my favorite tool for doing so, Jane. Jane is a clinic management software in EMR with a human touch. Whether you're switching your software or going paperless for the first time, the Jane team knows that the onboarding process can feel a little overwhelming. That's why with Jane, you don't just get software, you get a whole team. Included in every Jane subscription is their award-winning customer support available by phone, email, and chat whenever you need it, even Saturdays. You can also book a free account setup consultation to review your account and ensure you feel confident about going live. If you're interested in making the switch to Jane, head to jane.app/switch to book a one-on-one demo with a member of their support team. And be sure to mention the code Geological at the time of sign up for a one month grace period on your new Jane account. Hey, everybody, welcome to the show. Today I've got Lauren Brown with me. Lauren Brown is a, an acupuncturist and businessman. He's a businessman up in uh, Vancouver, British Columbia, where he's got a clinic. He teaches. He's got a website that teaches. He knows a thing or two about marketing, and today that's what we're here to talk about on the show, marketing. So, Lauren, welcome. Michael, thanks for uh, inviting me to your, your podcast. Much appreciated. Yeah, it's good to have you back here again. So, you know a thing or two about marketing. You've uh, written some books. In fact, you've written a book on marketing. You've got a very successful practice. What do acupuncturists need to know to uh, become successful with this? All right. So first, I got to just talk about marketing as as the term and as you introduced us here. You know, marketing in general can bury a practitioner. So I'm going to talk about how to be successful, and we'll talk about marketing um, as part of that. But I, I would I would start off with that if you start with the idea of just marketing, you can spend a ton of money and get no results. So you have to be really smart about it. You know, for our, the Chinese medicine practitioners. It's kind of like trying to work, write out your treatment plan before you've done a history and come up with a diagnosis. You're just not going to get the results. The treatment plan follows the diagnosis. So you've got to know what you're doing and what you're looking for. Exactly. So I would start off with the marketing. The purpose of marketing is to communicate to the public that you exist and why they should come see you. That's why you're marketing. That's what marketing does. So if you don't create value, if you don't have something that's of value, um, perceive value by the public. You may think it's valuable, but you have to communicate to the public why it's valuable to them. Then you don't need to market because they're not going to come. You know, I'll just make up something here on the spot. You know, if I have an old couch that's laced with uh, ticks and lice and maggots and it's just you know disgusting, and I say great deal, you can get it for one cent. Nobody's going to come. You know what? Free. Nobody's going to come if I market it that way. Actually, I would have to pay somebody to take that away. Why? That couch has zero value, right? So you got to have value, first of all. And then you find out also, the second part is, who, who's your customer? And so who's your patient for a practitioner, as a practitioner? Who's your ideal patient? Who do you want to see? Part of that is, what are you passionate about treating? What kind of demographic? And then, what kind of person do you want to see? So if you're practicing Chinese medicine, and somebody's a big skeptic and is anti-herb and anti-alternative medicine and has many shares in drug companies and, and everybody in their family is a physician, a medical doctor physician, 
it probably wouldn't make sense if there's a population like that for you to try and target that population. Yes, you may be able to convert some of them, but you're going to be spending a lot of time and effort to convert that. So just in general, your population are people that prefer a holistic approach versus a drug approach. People, um, if, for me, I have a practice that treats infertility, so there's a certain age group I'm going to put my, my marketing efforts towards. And then, you know, what do you charge? You know, if somebody is on um, income assistance and you're charging 100 bucks a visit, really do you want to target that population? Right. So you really want to dial in the kind of person you want. Marketing is communication. Marketing is, you know, I would like to share because the best analogy, I've, can, I've never found a better way to share this. So, I, and in my book, Missing the Point, Why Acupunctures Fail and What They Need to Do to Succeed, I quote Dan Clements. Dan Clements wrote a book called The Practitioner's Journey, The Path to Success for Alternative, Holistic, and Integrative Health Professionals. And I love the way he's, he's set this out. So if I may, he basically says, you know, he has this analogy, and I'm paraphrasing, making it my own here a bit, so it may not be exactly how it appears in the book, but for the podcast, this is going to make great sense for your audience, I hope. So you're sitting there on this, on this island, and there's this huge river that runs between you and this other island. And on the other island are all these people you can help. But they don't even know you exist on this other island. So this is where marketing happens, right? So first you got to let them know you exist. Hello, I'm here, right? Mm -hmm. An ad in a magazine or a, that would be like if somebody sees that magazine, that's hello, I'm here. But that doesn't necessarily make them come. No, in fact, I have never ever had a, well, I don't advertise in magazines, but I think partly that's because I don't think I'd ever go to anyone who offered medical services as a paid advertisement in a magazine. Well, you know what? People will. So let's, really? you know, your, mat, your, your, your ad would have to have a call to action. So, but I want to go back to our analogy. Okay. But then, then we'll come back to, to the ads in a moment. Ask me about the ads in the magazine. Cause again, it depends on what you're trying to achieve and yes, it can be effective, but there is very few ads that you put out in it and, and that's the thing that draws everybody to you. So using Dan's analogies, you're on the island, there's another island, lots of wa running water, deep running water between you, right? Mm. So first of all, the marketing is, hey, I exist. So that's part of the marketing, just making them aware, but that doesn't make them come. The second thing he says, is then you got to build what's called stepping stones because the water is deep. They, they see you're there. And they, now they want, to, they, they want to come see you, right? They found out you exist. They see the value that you bring, and they want to see you. But the water's really cold, and it's really deep. They're, it's frightening. So they're like, I can't cross that. So you got to drop stepping stones. So you write a blog. You get interviewed on a podcast. You do a talk. All those are stepping stones. And if you do enough of these over time, then people can hop from one rock to one rock, until eventually they're on the other side. So hence, a lot of people think marketing is supposed to just bring them in. And it's over time, you, you can't even really see it happening. So going back to a Chinese medicine analogy of us as, you know, the farmers, you know, when, when um, agriculture, when, when you plant, you nourish the soil, you toil the soil, you get it all ready, composting, everything's great, pull the weeds out, you plant the seed. You don't see any plant the next day, but underneath, amazing things are happening, right? That seed rottens, and then it, it, it sprouts. And, you know, a month goes by, you still don't see anything. It's just dirt. But underneath, there's this green sprout coming up through the ground. So when you're marketing, a lot of people think, this isn't working, but underneath, something's happening. So those are the stepping stones. 
Then there's bridges. Bridges are things that make it easy where people can go right from that island to you, just cross over that water easy. And usually those are what I would call um, powerful referrals. So an ad in a magazine would be a stepping stone. Mm -hmm. A bridge would be a patient testimonial where somebody knows somebody who saw you that had great results and says, you need to go see Michael Max. This guy changed my life. He fixed X, Y, Z. That will be act like a bridge or a physician. So, you know, think of this as a bridge. Which type of patient's going to come see you? One physician has your business card. You took them out for lunch. You met them. You told them what you do, but they really don't believe in it. And the patient says, is there anything else I can do for my insomnia? He goes, no, you know, the medication, we're doing everything right. And then they say, well, I heard about this acupuncturist, uh, Michael Max. What do you think? And the physician goes, mm, I don't know. It, you know, it may make you re- feel a little bit relaxed. If you believe in it, it may work. Sure, you can try it. That's not a good bridge. A bridge is, um, I've heard about acupuncture, or even better, the physician says, look, if you don't want to do medication or the medication's not working, there's an acupuncturist down the road. I trust him. He's excellent. He's helped other people I sent there. Go see Michael Max. Here's his card. That is a bridge. So there's your bridge. So referrals are bridges. Um, Excellent referrals. So it's relationship that you're talking about here. Yes. And again, in my, I'm going to mention my book because I wrote this for my colleagues. The book is not a marketing book. The book is is principles on being success. And I talk at the very end, I, I give all the marketing tips. But the very first part of my book says, if everything that I'm going to share here is so simple that it's at risk of being dismissed, but the tips at the back, the treatment plan, won't work without the principles, without all this thought that goes behind it. So if you just go and look at my my last chapter that says, you know, these are the things to do, um, people won't do them long enough. They'll quit. They'll stop because they won't see that sprout coming up through the dirt. They won't realize that so much good stuff's happened even though it hasn't manifested yet. And so in the book, it's the three quarters of it is all about changing your attitude and actions you need to do, the thinking process of success. What do Because yeah. I don't consider myself a businessman. I, I've been, I'm introduced a lot by yourself and colleagues, Lauren the businessman. I'm a doctor. I'm an entrepreneur that specializes in health and wellness. So I have an entrepreneurial spirit. Now, wouldn't you say it's true that any acupuncturist in business is an entrepreneur? No, because entrepreneurs, everybody's in business, but not everybody has an entrepreneurial spirit. That's why businesses fail. So once you start offering a service or product and receiving money, you're in business. But that doesn't mean you're going to succeed. That doesn't mean you're an entrepreneur. Entrepreneurs think differently, and that's what makes them successful. And the book is an entrepreneurial spirit. Hello, everyone. Anne Cecil Sturman here. A working knowledge of the eight extraordinary channels from the unbroken oral tradition of acupuncture is valuable beyond words. The power of these channels is tremendous if the practitioner has well-integrated diagnostic, theoretical and practical skill. You'll be familiar with Dumai, the governor channel or the sea of Yang, the primal reservoir of Yang which ultimately finances all movement and growth. But this channel also governs the ability to self-determine. The psycho-emotional presentation of your patients can be matched to a classical activation of this channel, 
clearing impedance in the free flow of yang chi to body, mind, and spirit. I'd like to share with you the marvelous potency of the Do Channel in a full-length live treatment video from the seminar I taught last year in Melbourne, Australia. It's at ancecilsturman.com forward slash sinews2024. Click on the jump to free teaching button or see the link on my Instagram page at ancecilsturman. Thanks, Michael. Back to you. All right. That's what I wanted to know. So tell us more about it. Quick overview of, 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 of what you'd want to cultivate to be an entrepreneur. Yeah. You know what? The first Besides thing you read want your to book. No. First thing you've got to cultivate is attitude, right? It's your attitude, right? That's the first thing um, that changes everything. So just some ideas from entrepreneurs. Like, again, we don't have the time here. to. We're not going to teach my book here, but attitude. So first, first things first acupuncturists are in denial that they're in business. So if you're in denial you're in business, it's hard to succeed. Do you know that small businesses in general fail? Why? Because small businesses lack resources. They lack money resource. They lack people resource. So you're doing everything. You're the janitor. You're the scheduler. You're the marketer. You're the accountant, right? You're the doctor. You're the janitor. You can't be great at everything. You don't have the time for everything, especially as your practice grows. So small businesses fail just because they don't have the resources to be um, to do everything, to delegate to people, and or they don't have the money, the money to hire people or to do all those things so you can practice medicine. If you don't even think you're in business and you don't pay attention, how many acupuncturists take a, a business course? Very few. And so the successful practitioners, like I'm fortunate in that, I'm a doctor of Chinese medicine, so I did all the training, bachelor of science, did my doctor in Chinese medicine, but I'm also a CPA. So I did my, I'm a chartered professional accountant, so I did a whole <laughs> program in accounting and worked as a controller and tax guy for ocean spray people. So I happen to have both skill sets, doctor and business, right? Mm -hmm. But most people that go into business don't have a business background. They have a passion. I want to own a restaurant. I want to be an acupuncturist. I want to be, own a hair, open up a hair salon. Salon. These people, you, you, don't, you don't have the business training. And so you're in business. So if you're in denial in business, then you're missing a whole aspect. Bringing it back to Chinese medicine, yin-yang. If yin and yang are out of relationship, we're not healthy. We get sick. So if all you focus on is the clinical practice, is all you focus on is studying Chinese medicine courses, which you need to be good at this medicine. So you must keep mastering your Chinese medical skills. Most likely you will fail. You need to spend time on business courses too and entrepreneurial stuff because you are, as a practitioner, both a clinician and a business person. So that is why that's the first thing with attitude. The second thing, most acupuncturists have um, an issue around money. It's kind of a medical and academic thing. You know, I have family members that are PhDs, they're academics, I have family members that are doctors, and there's this negative relationship between money and academia, right? You can't get paid or doctors. You know, we feel guilty taking money from our, our patients. So if you want to attract something, it's hard to attract something that you actually have a negative subconscious belief behind. You, you find ways to self-sabotage yourself or you put out into the ether these negative things behind money. How do you know you have it? Well, here's two things. If you see somebody that's successful, does that bother you? Do you have resentment? 
Well, how do you expect to attract that if you hate what you're trying to attract? Um, and what was the second thought I had? Um, money. Oh, when you collect money from patients, do you get really uncomfortable? Then, then you need to work on the attitude part. You're offering a service that people benefit from, they value. Um, and so isn't it a blessing that you get paid to help people? And in my practice, I make a nice living and I find charities to give back to, right? So if you can fill your basket, if you can experience abundance, then you, so I support certain or associations and organizations in Chinese medicine. And then there's just charities that I like that I get to support. And then I have the flexibility of some uh, free time that I get to volunteer on several boards in my community and in Chinese medicine boards. So the abundance has allowed me to give back to the community. Right. You know, it's like they say on the airplane when you get on and they say if there's an issue and the masks come down, put yours on first. Otherwise, you can't help someone else. I learned this lesson from a, a shaman lady. When I lived in Montreal, Canada, as an accountant, a friend took me to this woman and uh, started to see her. I really loved the, the teaching. And we sat across from each other and there was no talk, and she put a basket that was empty in front of me. I sat cross-legged in my suit because I just came from my office. Um, she sat cross-legged across from me. Her basket was full of all these goodies and trinkets, and she starts putting things in my basket and smiles, pauses, puts something in my basket, smiles, pauses. You know, I'm uncomfortable in the silence, what's going on? So I start putting something in her basket. She smiles. I smile. I'm putting something in her basket. She's doing it to me. I get cuter and try to put it in quicker. To, into her basket of mine, my basket's empty again, and then she says with profanity, what the F are you doing? And I said, I'm giving you. I'm doing what you're doing. I'm giving. She goes, your basket's empty. How can you give if your basket's empty? My basket's full, so uh -huh. I'm able to give. I'm trying to fill your basket. This isn't true selflessness. When you give and you don't have, you must fill your basket and if my basket's full, don't give to my basket. Once your basket's full, find somebody else who has an empty basket and fill their basket. Cool teaching, eh? I like it. So going back to marketing, it's a form of communication. So first, people have to know you exist. So when you're thinking of how to market, you have to, people have to know you exist. They have to know that there's value there. So, you know, there's many acupuncturists and Chinese medicine practitioners, so what separates you from them? You can become a commodity. Commodity means everything's the same, right? So, you know, if you're looking for a book, you can look at all the different bookstores and it's the same book, you're going to choose the ones that's cheapest. So right. if they look for acupuncturists, they'll look for pricing if you become a commodity. So what separates you, right? How do you separate yourself? I want to jump in here real quick, this commodity thing. So you're familiar with Seth Godin, right? I haven't read his material, but I definitely know who Seth is because I read so much in Entrepreneurial and I see him at these at these circles. So I, I know yeah. him as, so a, you've heard as of a genius. Him. He's a genius, some great books, has an excellent blog. He's got this wonderful phrase about commodities and the thing to avoid if you're out there doing your art. He says, don't join in the race to the bottom. Agreed. And you know, probably what he's talking there is if you're trying to be like everybody else, then you have to compete on price. And then what happens is you got to keep going cheaper and cheaper. So how do you separate yourself? Well, you know, for me, I specialize on treating reproductive health, infertility. So that's one way to separate yourself. So there's a whole bunch of acupuncturists advertising on their websites that I treat, and they list 30 conditions. And my website says I treat infertility, pregnancy, and menopause. 
and you have infertility and you go to all these sites and every site has 30 plus listing of conditions, which makes you a generalist, mm -hmm. and they go to my website and they see their condition among just three, they're going to come to me almost every single time. And they'll travel. So I'll let you know that in my practice, people get on planes and people travel a half an hour, an hour, even though there are several acupuncturists in their neighborhood. Why? Because we treat reproductive health and people do want to see somebody that has experience yeah. and special specializations. Just our culture in North America, you know, if I have a heart condition, I don't want my GP to do the surgery. I want a cardiac surgeon to do the surgery. Of course. We're looking to get a problem solved. When we're looking for help, we want to get a problem solved. Great point, uh, Michael, because again, with your marketing, they're not excited about acupuncture. You are, right? <laughs> you so know, in my I, book, I've had a conversation with friends that actually no one gives a shit about <laughs> acupuncture. They don't care. Right. They don't care. They, they just care. want your problem solved. That's right. That's why if you're, I have, again, in my, a chapter in my book about patient-centered care versus doctor-centered care. If you have tons of pictures of acupuncture needles on your marketing material and on your website, people getting needles, then you are missing the boat, missing the point. Hey, that should be the title of my book. It is. You're missing the point. Why? People, most people have a needle phobia. So by you putting needles on your website, you've already pushed away many practitioners, many people that could come to you. It's like dentists. Do dentists advertise with a beautiful smile or do they show the needle and the drill going into the tooth? Uh, it tends to be the beautiful <laughs> smile. Yeah, because people want the smile. You know, there's a quote, and I don't know who said it, but I love it. It says, "Sell Paris, not the not the air not the air airplane." Meaning, you don't want to. It takes a long time to get to Paris. It's a long travel, jet lag. So don't sell the flight. Sell the destination. Sell right? the destination. Well, it's the old thing in marketing. Don't sell the steak. Sell the sizzle. Right. So you're looking, people are looking for a solution. So again, now I want to clarify everything I share in my book and what I want with our profession, it's with integrity, right? You want to do things with integrity. And so marketing, again, I'm saying this because I'm a practitioner. I hang with practitioners. I hear this all the time. They think it's slimy and sleazy. Marketing is a form of communication. So if you have integrity and you're a good person, you want people to know you exist and you want to treat them because you're going to take good care of them. So there's nothing slimy and sleazy if you're being authentic and you're doing this with integrity. So your marketing is, hello, I exist. Hello, I have value. Hello, I can help you, right? And, and you using those stepping stones and bridges to get them to you. So going back to a, a magazine ad. So I have put, when we do any ads, we're doing, because hello, we exist. We want people to know we exist. But we always have a call to action. So when we do any ads in a magazine for my clinic, we always have a call to action for a talk. So if we decide we're going to um, do a talk, often we'll advertise in some of the, the papers in our city because, again, people want to check you out with, uh, at, at, uh, with low risk. So if you're doing a free talk or a talk with a minimal fee, that's low risk before they have to come in and see you. And so the ad says, hello, I'm here. Mm -hmm. And you've invited them to come and check you out with no, uh, you don't have to buy anything. You can just come and hear the person speak. So when you do any ads, all your ads should have a call to action. Your ad should not be just here I am. This is my clinic. We live here. Come, come see us. Your ad should never just be that. You must have a call to action. I, so um, if you have a book, a book signing or giving the book away, I like to do lectures. So lectures work. I mean, I love to educate. So I love doing lectures. 
And even when we do Pro-D seminars, that's my online company where we do continued education, we advertise in many trade journals. And usually when we put an ad there, we're listing a course. that. So we're not just advertising Pro-D seminars. We're advertising a specific course. And often when we put the ad in, we put a coupon in for a limited time, a special deal on that course. But we always limit the time. It's not forever because people need a uh, time sensitive. Otherwise, they, they just don't. Don't go for it. They need to know that it's going to end at a certain time. And in our profession, just to let you know, when I do Pro-D ads, we'll have an ad that lasts the longest a week. We run a big Black Friday sale, Chinese New Year sale. Always, the majority of the sales come in the last 36 hours. Like, they all wait till the last minute. In recent years, this Om acupuncture style has generated significant interest and a loyal and growing following. In the Sa'am approach, a precise diagnosis leads to a four-needle treatment to address the five element and six chi imbalances in the body. The four needles target the controlling and generating cycles. It's common using this method for the needle sensation to be stronger than in many other styles. Thus, the choice of needle becomes important. The Unico brand of needles lends itself to both strong and gentle techniques. These superior needles are made of uncoated Japanese surgical stainless steel and feature the best guide tube on the market with its unique beveled edge. Additionally, Unico needles have a tensile property that helps with freehanding needles into Jingwell points and allows you to more easily feel the arrival of Qi. Blue Poppy is the exclusive importer and distributor of Unico needles. Use the code QI. 2024 to save 10% off Unico needles at www.bluepoppy.com. You'll be glad you did. So that time sensitive thing is really important. All of a sudden it starts becoming scarce and that gives it more value. Yeah. And you just don't want somebody coming in two years later saying, Hey, I saw this coupon. So that's how we do it. And so when we do talks as well, um, we have other allied professionals that um, they're not talking with us, but we recommend, and they give us a coupon for a, a massage. So we work with a mind abdominal massage for fertility. We work with a clinical hypnotherapist that does um, infertility hypnosis. So they've given us coupons for $20 off of their treatment. So we have these coupons with a date, and sometimes we'll give a special incentive for the public to try. So we'll give them even a, a small coupon for acupuncture or naturopathy at my clinic, but always has a date on it, right? Because we want people to act. And and the, why? Because we don't want to devalue our service. So I'm not a big fan of discounting your your, your fees. Um, you know, doctors, you don't go to your cardiologist and negotiate your fee or your dermatologist. So I'm not a fan of uh, devaluing your product through discounts. You know, this is what, you know, you have a full practice. This is what you charge and this is what you value yourself. You set your fee because you value this is what, what you deserve to be paid for the value you're creating for people. So I know we're going off topic here, but it's also, you know, some people say, well, I've gone for school. You know, we hear people looking at other professions that do act. I've gone through school five years. These people did school for a weekend. Again, the public doesn't care. Nobody goes to the doctor and says, how many years was your medical program? Um, what, what place did you finish in med school, it just says doctor, right? right. And you assume that they're, they're capable. So same thing, nobody cares how much you spent on your education or how many hours you've trained. I see this in our profession. The public doesn't care. Again, we care, but they don't care. 
So when you set your fees, it's got to be based on their perceived value. So you got to create good value and do good things in order for the public to want to see you. So it doesn't matter how much you spent on education. The question is, you got to give more in value than they're going to pay. So if I'm just throwing out the number $100. Um, if you charge $100 a visit, the patient has to perceive more than $100 in value. Why? Think about it. If you and I are sitting across the room, Mike, and I have a $10 bill and you have a 20 and I say, Mike, let's switch. You come over here, give me your 20 for my 10. Would you do it? If I knew you and trusted you, yes. Why would you do that? I'm going to give you a 10 for your 20, so you're just down $10. dollars i am going to repeat that. No, wait, say that again. There's no trick. It's not a trick question. You have a 20, I have a 10. Oh, I misheard it. Okay. Do you want to trade? Come over here and trade. Would you do it? Yeah, no, no of course not. Okay, again, you got to go through all these chairs. You got to ask people to move. You have a 20 and I have a 20. Hey, let's trade. Would you get up, disturb people, and walk across the room to trade your 20 for my 20? No. Okay, last one. You have a 20, I have a $100 bill. Would you get up? Everything's legit. You know me. It's good. Would you trade your 20 for my 100 and disturb a few people to walk a few steps to get that 100 for my 20? Well, your 20 for my 100. The answer is obvious. Yes. So think of this again. Your patients are paying $100 for your services. You're charging $100. They need to get more than $100 in value. They have to perceive more than $100 in value. So how do you build an incredibly busy practice? The value you give must be more than the money the patients are paying, their perceived value. Right. And they'll line up. You know, I want to add one little thing here. It's the patient's perception of the value, not your perception of the value. Yes. 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 And it starts, so you remember I said the first thing, uh, attitude, what's, what do they need to do? Attitude. You first have to have confidence. So if you're paying $100, you have to have confidence and believe that you're worth the $100. You can't just make up a fee. If you feel like, oh, I feel bad charging them $100, people smell that, then, then you're not being authentic and they're lacking integrity. There. Right. Then you're getting into that slimy sales thing. Then the slimy thing. You actually have to believe this is worth, a, this is worth more than $100. So when somebody pays me $100 for a treatment, I feel great because I, just, I got $100, which I'm happy with, and I gave them like $150 in perceived value. I believe it's worth $150. They feel it. And I feel great because I got what I wanted. I gave them awesome care. They walked away getting something they wanted, and everybody's happy. Yeah. We're about out of time here. I got one other quick question, and then we're going to wind this down. Besides your book, which I recommend people check out, and we'll have a link to it on the show notes page, what other resources, books, people would you recommend that our colleagues check out? Got a, I got a list for you. All right. So, and this is in my book at the back, I list some of these and it keeps going, but just what's coming to my mind now, first of all, free stuff on YouTube, you can find, he's passed now, Jim Rohn, entrepreneurial, great motivational speaker, he's going to get your attitude stuff, he has really um, impacted me, I agree with everything he says pretty much, it's just been great, I learned this through my father, and then when I started reading and listening to Jim Rohn, it was just like, oh my God, he's speaking my language and there's somebody using language to, to make me understand. Jim Rohn, just find okay. Jim, Rohn, Jim Rohn, listen YouTube. to Jim Rohn. He's got it because the whole thing of success is based on um, you know, your belief systems and then the actions you take. If you just have the right attitude but you don't do the work, you're not going to be successful. 
Another great book starts with why. How great leaders inspire everyone to take action by Simon uh, Sinek, I think his last Simon name is. Simon Sinek, yes. Sinek. Great book. Start with why. Yes. Um, the Compound Effect by Darren Hardy. The Compound Effect. Okay. Because again, and Jim Rohn was Darren Hardy's mentor. So the Compound Effect is about small things that you do on a daily basis are going to make the big difference. Yep. Um, a classic, Think and Grow Rich by Napoleon Hill. So again, he's big on the attitude stuff. I like Drive, especially if you're going to have associates, The Surprising Truth About What Motivates Us by Daniel Pink. Yes, also a great book. I've, I've read that as well. The Happiness Advantage by Sean Anker. All right. That, that, should, give, that should give us a, a good start. Lauren, thank you so much. Uh, we're going to have to have you back for like another part two or three somewhere down the road. Thanks so much for your time. I love talking about this stuff. If it's about Chinese medicine or fertility and about entrepreneurial, remember, we're all in business. We can have an entrepreneur, entrepreneurial spirit. I want to close with this attitude thing because we're closing up here because I didn't bring in what makes something different between an entrepreneur and a business person, right? Yes. The entrepreneurs think differently. So one of the things I've learned through my coaching, another thing is strategiccoach.com. I went through their program. Fantastic. Um, Dan Sullivan has great little books. The Gratitude Principle, The Gap, What Makes People Great, some of these titles. Um, check out strategiccoach.com, transformational as well. So entrepreneurs, one thing is they don't expect to get paid until they create value for you. One, that's my attitude always. That's why I'm always like got to create value because I know if I create value, people will buy. I don't know who said this, but it, it goes, people, don't, people love to buy. They don't like to be sold. Yep. So you got to create value for them, right? So um, the first thing is create value before you expect to get paid is number one. It's just an attitude. It's not literal, but it's an attitude you have to have. Sometimes it's literal, but it's an attitude you have to have. And the second thing is you don't expect other people to solve your problems. I don't expect the government to make acupuncture available so I can succeed. I don't expect my associations. I hear people, it's the school's fault. It's my association's fault. It's the fault of physios. Dry needling is the reason I'm struggling. If you're blaming people, you can't be successful either. So entrepreneurial spirit is I don't expect other people to take care of me. I don't expect the government. I don't expect anybody. I expect myself to take care of myself and my financial needs through continued education, through rolling up my sleeves and working every day, through developing relationships. So you have that attitude. It's my responsibility. I can't blame anybody else. Two, I got to create value before I expect to get paid. Having that attitude is going to right your ship and get you going um, in the direction of success. And that's how entrepreneurs think. That's how I think. I've become successful. I always have people that want to fight for the limitations and and blame other people. I call that entitlement syndrome in my book. It's a chapter, avoid the entitlement syndrome. I won't hire people that have that attitude because they'll bring down our whole ship. All right. Lauren, again, thanks so much. All right. Thank you. Thanks as always for listening. If you liked this conversation, if you learned something new or found a moment of inspired insight, share the episode with your friends. If you want to support Geological, there's just one way to do that. It's by going to the website and becoming a member or leaving a one-time contribution today. Well, folks, that's it for today. Join us again next Tuesday for another conversation that connects up 
the voices of our community.